Good afternoon. So, um, as Andrew said, um, I'm continuing our sermon series this afternoon on the book of James. We're going to plow into James chapter 4 that you just heard read. Um, Obviously, we've been having a series on this, so um, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the previous sermons on chapters and two and one, because uh, we've had some fantastic sermons on this. Um, it's been really, James is a really practical book, and there's lots of like just really good wisdom in it on how to live our lives as Christians and in, in the Christian community. Um, yeah, so there's some real gold in there. So do go back and have a listen if you missed them. Um, and so my, I guess, sort of title that I've that I came up with, um, looking at kind of the overall theme of this chapter, um, obviously there's a lot there, um, but the overall theme, I'm, I've, I've called it rejecting pride and embracing humility. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your scripture and we thank you for these words and we pray that you'd speak to us through them now, that they would come alive and that they would be just as relevant to us now as they were to the people that read them back then. Um, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to be humble. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a special word in our family. Um, It was actually created by Seth at the back there when he was younger. It's a special word, it's called humility. Humility, obviously a little bit of a mashup of humble and humility. It came about by accident, I think, one day at the dinner table. Uh, But we've kind of kept it as a word of our own. And um, so whenever someone's getting a little bit cocky about something or, you know, they're forgetting their place, we need to remind them that they've forgotten about their humility. Um, Recently, I was teaching. I teach choirs in schools, and I was with one of my groups of year fives and sixes, so kind of 10 and 11-year-olds, and um, they were telling me about the show that they're going to be doing at the end of term, and it was a show that I've actually been in, and so I was like, oh, I've been in that show. That's so exciting. Tell me, and I was telling them a bit about it, and this one girl, she looked me up and down. She was like, miss, so... So you've given up performing then and you've like downgraded to teaching. I was like, okay, humbled. (laughs) She was so, the look of disdain that she gave me, she's got the main part. So, you know, she was like, she's there, she's ready. Um, So my my pride and my ego were a little bit bruised. Um, I didn't want to go into the whole journey that it's been to get to being a performer to then doing what I'm doing now, but that's besides the point. I was was humbled. I don't know if you've ever been humbled in the same way or or something similar, sort of been brought back down to earth with a bit of a thud when we thought we were doing pretty well. We thought that we were doing quite well for ourselves. And I think we so easily can get caught up in feeling like our value and our worth comes from what we do or from what we look like or from even how much we're admired or respected uh, in the work that we do. Um, I don't know if you've ever like put on a new item of clothing, you've looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, yeah, looking pretty good, looking all right. And then you leave your room or you leave your house and I don't know, 
usually a small child will just like look at you going, huh? <laughs> what are you wearing that for? <laughs> and you're brought back down. You're like, your bubble is burst. So this chapter of James is all about humility. And it's all about also, I think, that kind of topsy-turvy, upside-down nature of God's kingdom. It says in the Bible time and time again in different ways, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He who loses his life will find it. And in this chapter, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So it got me to wondering what exactly is humility and how do we humble ourselves before the Lord? The best description of humility that I've ever seen, uh, uh, I've ever read is by C.S. Lewis. Some of you might have heard it before, um, but C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. I'll say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So I guess then consequently, thinking of others more Um, thinking of others' needs before your own, others' desires above your own. And I think sometimes we often get a bit confused as to what humility is. We often think, we might think, oh, it's maybe someone who's a bit quiet and a bit shy or like lacking in self-assertion, or maybe someone who like puts themselves down is maybe a bit self-deprecating or like overly modest. Um, But I don't think that's true humility. That's not what the Bible says humility is. I don't know if you've heard of the humble brag, hashtag humble brag. (laughs) Um, It's around quite a lot on social media. The Urban Dictionary describes the humble brag as being a phony show of humility where the person couches their bragging um, in kind of putting themselves down. Uh, It's kind of the appearance of modesty uh, when in actual fact we're really bigging ourselves up um so I don't know I was trying to think of some examples but not not doing very well but I don't know oh my arms are really sore uh, today because you know I could only manage 50 push-ups this morning <laughs> or I don't know oh I can't come to your party because I've got to go and pick up my new Mercedes that I just bought um and I don't think Christians are you know we're not beyond this so I don't know I'm so tired today because I got up at 5 a.m. to pray for two hours. I don't know, that kind of thing. And I think people can get themselves quite confused as to what like, real true humility is and how to be genuinely humble. And I think our best example of true humility is the person of Jesus. So we live in a world and a, a culture, a society that basically says... Um, my life is my own. Um, I'm going to live my life for me. Um, I know what's best for me. I'm in charge of my life. I'm self-reliant. The world must revolve around me and give me everything that I want. I mean, obviously, that's an exaggeration, but that's, you know, that can sometimes feel like um, that's the way the, the world is. But Jesus did not live like that. Jesus lived a life that basically said, my life for yours. And as we know, it it was the greatest act of humility. He left his glory behind. He didn't please himself. He gave up everything in obedience to his father. My life for yours. He gave up his life, but then God gave it back to him. Jesus humbled himself and then he was lifted up. And that's exactly what God says that he will do for us.
And why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. But I also think there's another reason. And I think that reason is because if we are humble, we start to be able to create the kinds of communities that show people around us who Jesus is. They, the kinds of communities where people can see God's love. Um, so we're not just to be humble so that we personally can be lifted up and us nice Christians can have a jolly nice time and, um, you know, be in God's presence together and be, and be lifted up. But I think we're to be humble so that we can live together in Christian community, in unity, in peace with one another, in that oneness that Christ talks about um, because when we live like this, it's countercultural, isn't it? And it will show the world around us who God is and how much he loves us. So I think having humility, being humble is so, so important. And this chapter of James, I felt like helps us to figure out some of the ways that we can do that. Some of the things that might get in the way of us being humble and it encourages us in very practical ways to stick at it and to keep trying because it's hard. Um, but when we do it, that can have a massive impact on those around us. So right at the start of this chapter, James asks a question. What causes fights and quarrels amongst you? Essentially, He's talking to this, the, the early church. So these are very, very early Christians. Uh, they're just trying to figure out how to live this life following Jesus. Most of them are Jewish, uh, and they've, they've decided that they believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and they're trying to figure out what this might look like as a, a living as a community. And James says, but what causes fights and quarrels amongst you? You know, he's basically saying, well, what is it that's kind of fracturing this Christian community fights and quarrels. And then he talks about being a friend of the world. And it struck me that like some things just never change, do they? Even back then with the earliest Christian communities, they were struggling with being pulled towards living just like the world, like the culture around them, like how, what society says that they should be like, the way that they should do. They, they were struggling with living their life as my life is my own, my life for me, they were, that's the kind of life that they were being pulled towards. Um, and the things that pull us away from God are still the same now as they were back then. You know, and James goes on to list some of them. You know, we want things that we don't have. We want things that other people have. Our motives can be questionable. We care about our own comfort, our own needs, our own pleasures, um, more than we do about other people's. We gossip and we speak badly of people that irritate us. We judge each other. We boast about our plans for the future. And I think it's all this that stops community from forming or from being sustained. All of this behavior is the opposite of humility. And in fact, it's pride and James warns against it by quoting from Proverbs, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So one of the things that's blocking 
or fracturing Christian community back then and now, I think, is pride. It's pride that stops us from being that example of God's love and God's righteousness and God's peace here on earth. Pride is a community killer. So when I was preparing for this talk, I listened to um, a sermon that Tim Keller preached a while ago. um, And he um, talked about a book that was written by Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a um, theologian back in the 1700s. Um, So quite a few hundred years ago now. And he wrote a book called Thoughts on Revival. And he was talking about how revival um, always ends because Christians start fighting amongst each other. Um, And he was saying that that this fighting is usually caused by pride, exactly as James says. And And Jonathan Edwards wrote a list of six things that show us how pride manifests itself and how humility does the opposite. Um, thankfully, Tim, Tim Keller sort of paraphrased this because Jonathan Edwards wrote 300 years ago, so the language was probably more tricky to understand. So thanks, Tim Keller, for slightly rewording this so that we can understand it better. So six things. Number one, pride. And by the way, it might hurt. I was reading this and I was like, that one was tough. Um, number one. Pride makes you more aware of others' faults than you are of your own. But humility makes you more aware of your own faults than you are of others. Ouch. Number two, when you speak of others' faults, pride leaves you with an air of contempt or disdain. But humility means that when you do speak of others' faults, you do it with grief and mercy. Number three, pride leaves you to quickly separate from people who have criticized you or whom you have criticized. You're called to them or you avoid them. But humility means you stick with people even through difficult relationships. You don't give up on them. Number four, a proud person is dogmatic and sure about every point of belief and doctrine and theology. A humble person listens respectfully to different opinions and is open to being proved wrong. Number five, a proud person either loves to confront because they like winning or refuses to confront because they don't want criticism. But a humble person confronts when necessary. So essentially, you're, you're not humble if you either love confrontation or avoid confrontation. Ouch. Number six. I think this one was particularly ouch. A proud person is often unhappy and sorry for themselves and filled with self-pity because they're sure that they deserve a good life and they know how life ought to go. Humble people know that it's only by God's grace that they are living, and only God knows what's best for them. I mean, it's quite a tough list, right? I certainly felt pretty humbled by the amount of pride that I think I have. Um, And you can hardly believe that these six points are from 300 years ago. Um, because they're so, so relevant today in our society that is so full of division and we so often separate and 
become, yeah, our communities are disjointed because of these, these very reasons that we've just listed. So pride kills community, whilst humility creates and sustains community. And we want to be in Christian community because that's the way that we can show and share God's love for the world. So then it's thinking about how, how can we get this humility so that we can create community? Back to Jesus. So there's basically two ways, I guess, that we can choose to live our lives. We can try to be like Jesus and live a life that says, my life for yours, a my life for yours kind of life, a life that puts others' needs before our own. Or we can live a my life for me kind of life where we put our own needs front and center. One way leads to community um, and one leads, I think, to separation and to loneliness even and that fighting that James was talking about. One is an example of humility and the other an example of pride. But I was thinking about how to live this my kind of my life for yours kind of life and I think it's much easier to live that kind of life when we really know that we are loved by God, when we really are confident of his love for us, when we trust, when we can really trust that God knows best for our lives, when we have confidence that God is taking care of all the circumstances of our life, it's much easier to then say, your needs before mine, because we know that God's got our back. And then James goes on to tell us in verse 7, he says, and this is like practical advice, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And I think we can only submit to God when we know he loves us, right? And and, we are, and we're humble enough to understand that God knows what's best for our lives. He knows us better, better than we do. He knows what's best for us. And it's humility, I think, that can give us the courage to resist the devil. And I think we sometimes can think that humility is a lack of confidence, but I think it's the opposite. It's incredible confidence that God has taken care of the circumstances of your life, which means that you don't need to be focused on your own needs and you can focus on others. You can face the devil. You can take him on when we have humility because humility gives us courage and boldness. Now, it wouldn't be a sermon from me without an example from musical theater, obviously. And I think an amazing example of the difference between humility and pride is the characters of Jean Valjean and Inspector Javert in the musical Les Miserables. Spoiler alert. Hopefully everyone knows the story. Because <laughs> I'm about to ruin it. So, <laughs> so Inspector Javert, just in case you don't know, Inspector Javert is, is a police officer and he has been hunting down Jean Valjean for decades. Um, he is full of pride. And when we look at like Jonathan Edwards' list that we just went through, Spectre Javert, he's like all over it, all over it. Um, he's also, interestingly enough, side point, an Enneagram one, which I also am. Again, humbled, humbled. Um, but then Jean Valjean is like the complete opposite of Inspector Javert. 
Because he's in his life, so if you don't know, he's very poor, he stole a loaf of bread, ended up in prison for a very long time. But then he was shown forgiveness and grace and mercy. And that changed his life. And then he started, he was so aware of his own faults. And he was constantly putting other people before himself. And so then towards the end of the musical, Valjean and Javert, they um, meet face to face. And Jean Valjean is basically given the opportunity to kill Javert. So he could stop this guy that's been hunting him down for years and years and years. He could just, he could stop it right there and then. He could free himself, but he doesn't. He looks at Javert in the eyes and he offers him forgiveness and mercy and grace. And he lets him go. But Javert, Javert cannot deal with this. He cannot deal with this. And I was thinking about why can he not deal with this? He goes on to take his own life because he, he can't live with this. And I was thinking, like, this is like, so because, Javert, because Jean Valjean, I'm struggling to articulate it, but because Jean Valjean has done this act to him, he's offered him forgiveness. And that requires a response from Javert, Right? So normally someone shows you forgiveness or mercy or grace, you, you say thank you and a bond is formed, right? And community is therefore formed. Um, but Javert didn't want that because he was, so, he was so dogmatic. He was like, no, I have to, this guy is, is wrong. He needs to go back to prison. Um, and so when he's offered this grace, from Valjean, he, he, he doesn't want that community and he doesn't, he, he can't live with the fact that he's been forgiven because he's so full of pride. And the only way to get out of that relationship that's been formed is to take his life. When someone gives something up for someone else and they say thank you in small ways, this leads to relationship and this leads to community. That person then kind of owes the other person and you're now in this sort of interdependent relationship on one another. And if we continue this pattern over and over in the small ways, if someone gives up their seat for you, you think, oh, next week I'll go and get them a cup of coffee or, you know, oh, this person's offered to have me over to, for dinner. I'm going to go and help with this, you know, small acts. It forms relationship and it builds community. We put others before ourselves. The more we forgive each other, the more we work through our differences, the more we give up our time for each other, the more we insist on not having our own way, the more we give up our own desires or needs for the sake of someone else's, the stronger that community will be. But it's not easy. Firstly, I think we have to choose it. We have to be intentional. And secondly, we have to show up. Um, we're not going to be able to create this kind of Christian community by popping along to church every once in a while. We need to spend that time together. We need to serve on teams together. We need to work on events together. We need to study the Bible and pray together. That's how, that's how this, it starts to change us and these relationships are formed and communities created. And to do this, we must reject pride and embrace humility. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And this is the way that God is calling us to live. And I think we can see it in the natural order of things as well. 
since before time began, we had the Holy Trinity living in community with one another, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glorifying each other, loving each other, honoring each other. I think we see it happen in the natural world, in, in, human, in human life as well. A new life can't be born into the world without some sacrifice. Um, so the mother gives up her body to grow a new life um, and then sacrifices her sleep to nurture that life and care for that life. It's an act of humility to put others' needs before your own. And m mothers will do it naturally because of love. Um, and Jesus did the same for us. And so we must do the same for others. I want to live in a kind of community that shows the world who Jesus is. And the way to do this most effectively, I think we can see from this chapter, is to reject pride and embrace humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that in humility your son came and gave up everything for us. Lord, help us to try as best we can to live a my life for yours kind of life. Help us to put others first. Help us to love one another so that we can show the world how much they are loved by you. So that through, through the community that we create as Christians, we can spread that love out to the rest of the world. Help us, Lord. We can't do it alone. Help us, Lord, to reject pride and to embrace humility. In Jesus' name.